0: the Betches Brides podcast a show for the wedding obsessed and the brides who
1: are stressed because after all it's only one day of your life Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Betcha's Brides. I'm your host, Nicole Pellegrino, and today, this has been a long-awaited episode. I am here with Dr. Emily Morse. She is a sex therapist, an author, and host of the popular podcast, Sex with Emily. Here's the reason I'm so excited. Well, one, I got married a year ago from this past weekend, so I'm a married woman now, and a bunch of our audience is, you know, planning their weddings, getting married. Everybody is wondering, how do we keep the spark alive in our sex lives? So we're going to get all into that with you. You are the one we wanted to bring on. We're so excited. I was like, right when we, our audience was begging for this topic, I was like, I need to bring on Emily for this because you're just, you've made a name for yourself by, you know, making the world talk about sex more, which is great. So yeah, before we get all into that, I would love to hear just like how you got started in all of this, you know, why did you get started,
2: a little bit about your background. All right. Well, thank you for having me. I really always thought this is such an important conversation for people to have in the early stages of the relationship before it becomes a Mm. problem and before they get married. So thank you for having me and happy anniversary. Thank Thank you. Thank you. All right. So I got started because I was really confused by sex i thought i was having sex that wasn't that satisfying it was okay not great i was comparing myself to others i felt like everyone else was having great sex and this was um this was almost 20 years ago when i started on this path so i there really wasn't like before stuff was all you know on the internet there wasn't tv shows about it there wasn't And I just thought, or definitely there were podcasts, and I really thought, like, this is something that I had no education about. I was having Mm -hmm. performative sex. I thought sex was all about my partner's pleasure, faking orgasms, like all the things that I think that a lot of people do. Started a podcast in 2005, and I started talking to people about their sex life and came to find out that like, literally most people were in the same boat that I was. They were more about their partner's pleasure. They didn't really know what felt good and why. Why were they in the mood for sex sometimes and not other times? And it was this huge, massive confusion worldwide. So, And I realized no one else was really talking about this. So I went back to school, got my doctorate in human sexuality, and here I am trying to change the world one orgasm at a time. Thank you. And we appreciate it. We do. And that's
1: the thing. It's really hard. I feel like as couples, I mean, the biggest question we kind of like got from our audience throughout all this was like, you know, I am getting married. How do I keep the sex life alive throughout a whole marriage? Like not only just leading up. I think it's so interesting how you said talk about it early on. So can you talk a little bit about that and like you know, when you should bring up the conversation in a relationship and then, yeah.
2: Okay. Yeah. Nicole, it's a great question. So yeah, I, I believe that as soon as you start having sex with someone and even before you should start talking about sex, but it's not in the way that we think. I think that people think, Oh God, we have to have the conversation. We need to talk. It's a, no one ever wants to hear those words from their partner. Like we need to talk. It's going to be this painful, awful thing. And Um, And that's only because the only reason why we believe that is because we don't have a lot of experience talking about sex. Just so people know before they freak out, most people don't talk about it ever. The majority of couples might talk about it when there's a problem. But even those couples, usually if there's a problem, they just sort of wait for it to go away or convince themselves that life is okay with no sex or mediocre sex. So it's important to first just find out, like, is your partner open to talking about sex? Are you with somebody who has a growth mindset around sex, that they understand that sex is not this fixed state, that mm-hmm. it's something that's going to continue to change every week, every month, every year. Our, it changes who we are, what we want. Are they willing to you know, just have it be part of your everyday life? Because once couples start to talk about sex, and I can definitely give you tips how to do that and like what a healthy conversation looks like and what doesn't look like. They find that once they get over that hump of, like, awkwardness, confusion, fear, judge, they're going to be judged, they actually enjoy it. It actually yeah. becomes something they look forward to. It's an extension of their sex life. So I think couples, as soon as you know you're going to be sexual with someone or are, start talking about it.
1: Okay. What are some of your tips for that? Because I'm picturing like a couple sitting down and like having a coffee date just to talk about sex. Or is it like, you know, do we bring up the conversation in the bedroom? What are some tips around how to talk about it? Great,
2: great question. So yeah, a coffee date could be great talking about sex um, if you're with somebody, but let's start with how not to do it. Okay. This is how not to talk about sex. You actually don't want to talk about your sex life in the bedroom, which I know is very shocking to people because people think if you are in the bedroom like this makes sense. It's sex is top of mind Um, because the way we do it in the bedroom is like we are frustrated. Maybe something happened or didn't happen that we wanted to. Maybe our partner didn't initiate and we've been telling him to. Maybe we turned down our partner's advances maybe we thought they were going to do something and they didn't. It just becomes messy in the bedroom. Unless of course you're in pain or in the moment you're like, can you move to the left or to the right? That's fine. But the, the serious conversation about your sex life and, um, and you don't want to have it in a, like, you know, why don't you ever want sex or this sex life of ours is a problem and you never go down on me and all these things. Like it can't, you have to make sure that you are in a good place to talk about sex. And so follow my three T's of communication for any awkward conversation. And that is timing, tone, and turf. Timing is when you are both in a very like relaxed, hanging out space where neither one of you are like, halt, hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. You're not stressing, you're not anxious, you're not mad. You're like ready to, you're on a date night. Uh, or something where you're feeling in a neutral space. Then you want to, your tone is is curious and compassionate. It's like, hey, I realized we even talked about our sex life and I thought this would be really great, really fun for us to engage in because we've never done it. Um, and I think there's so much we can learn from each other. Like I want to be like, a, I want to have great sex forever, don't you? Let's talk. And the turf, again, we covered that is outside the bedroom. It's when you are maybe on a walk. Or in a car. Because I know it's awkward. So when you're not making eye contact, sometimes it's easier to have intimate conversation. It's still it's still like it's less yeah. uncomfortable if you don't have to make eye contact. So yeah. That's where you start. Okay.
1: Okay. <laughs> um, that's so helpful and just so enlightening. I think like all of us couples could could really use a conversation about sex early on in our relationships because, like you said a lot of us don't start talking about it until something's going wrong, like until the sex is feeling mundane and boring or until you're on different levels like of, you know, sex drive with your partner. Yeah. What are some tips for this married audience to keep that spark alive? I mean, you're with the same person for, what, years and years to come? Like how do we keep that that excitingness. Yeah. It's it, such a good
2: question. Um, and I, I'm going to get back. I'm going to finish something I said. This is going to kind of help answer this question. Totally. Um, when I say talk about it, I just I've been doing this for so long that I know people are going really like, great. So now I know timing tone and turf and I know, but what do I say? Right. What What do I actually like words instead of like, let's talk about sex. So right. to piggyback onto this, this, uh, this like spice, spice it up thing is that the problem, like first I want married couples to know that, To spice it up, you're going to have to have these conversations, but I want everyone to know that to prepare for it and to to know that your sex life is going to need to be spiced up if you don't prioritize it Mm -hmm. or talk about it. It's going to happen in every single relationship, but I think what people don't think it's going to happen because it's so great at the beginning or we've promised each other we're not, but I can tell you that maintenance conversations and prioritizing it is going to help so you will make yeah. sure that it doesn't get stale or boring and you'll have mechanisms in place so really I always say like it's it comes from this conversation where you're saying you know what and I always <laughs> say blame me blame blame this conversation with Nicole and Emily like, I was listening to this podcast because, again, it's so hard for people to say, I realize that we've never talked about our sex life really in depth. I know we talk about how hot each other are. We can't wait to have sex tonight. We sexed, But I heard that, actually, it's really important for us to, like, talk about sex. Would you be into, like, having a conversation and prioritizing it? And and then feel like, well, where do I, you know, they might not know where to go from there. And I think you can start with, like, you know, let's both name Smart. the three most memorable times you've had sex. Let's both write it down and, and just... Right in our notes is Twitch phones. Um, let me tell you why that works. That's so simple. Like, let's say your partner says to you, oh, that time we were on vacation and like the 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 bellman almost walked in on us, but you were there naked or something happened. And you're like, okay, no, like vacation, we were really relaxed. There was a moment of like maybe voyeurism or excitement or thrill of getting caught. You know, you had maybe a look on your face. They remember maybe something was happening before that. And you get to kind of, Break that down. Why was that hot? Or maybe it was a new position right. or was it something that you happened, you know, that you were wearing or something you were drinking? Like, who knows? Like there's just a lot, there's a lot of details to be found from that. And it's a great starting point because then couples can reminisce. We should do more things like that. What else can we do next? So then mm-hmm. you could do like a bucket list. Like let's write down three things on our bucket list. Let's, um, you know, I also have something called a pleasure planner on my site that people can go to. It's at sexwithemily.com. and It's like this, planner over a year that you can think about like what are our hottest memories what do we want to try next i also have a yes no maybe list it gives couples 80 things that they wanted that they could try it's literally like hugging kissing spanking anal i mean it's everything <laughs> sexual and yes or it's a no or it's a maybe and then you get to go through and you each take it and like what are your no what are your maybes what are your yeses i love these resources, conversations though because i think yes. That like
1: a lot of people always think like, oh, no, it should just be so spontaneous. It should all just be in the moment. But like, no, sometimes you do need to like kind of put pen to paper and and work on your sex life and like use resources Mm -hmm. like this. What's your thoughts on? You said you have the pleasure planner. What are your thoughts on like yeah. planning sex with your partner, like whether that's yeah. throughout the week, throughout the month? Like, is that a thing or is that weird to do?
2: Yeah, it is a thing. Okay. That's what this whole thing is about planning your sex life. Cause I know that people think that scheduling sex is like the most boring thing in the world. They're like, oh, I want to look at my calendar and be like, <laughs> pick up dry cleaning, go to work, have sex. It's just going to be so dull and not exciting. But the problem is when we don't plan, like as a byproduct of not planning, mm-hmm. we're constantly whoever is the higher desire partner in a relationship, because there's always one who wants more than the other. Yep. They're going to be like, is it? Ha-? They're going to wonder if it's happening Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, and then they'll feel rejected when their partner doesn't want it. So when we plan it for Saturday, we plan it for Wednesday, we know it's happening and then we can plan for it. We can say like, I'm going to make sure that I'm in a good space. I'm going to make sure that I shower. That I breathe beforehand, that I think about some things I want to try, or maybe I masturbate to get myself aroused and turned on. I mean, it's just, I make sure that I wash my sheets. I mean, all the things that need to come into play for us to feel truly in the moment. So planning for sex is really, really hot and more couples can figure out what, and also what time of day. Yeah. Like there have been a lot of studies that show that vulva owners or women are more like crave more sex in the mornings, like late Mm afternoon mornings to like late afternoons where penis owners wake up with, like, testosterone raging, they're ready to go. So for many couples, it's negotiating and finding a time and space that works for them. I also feel like it could
1: it, – it works to make you, like, excited for that moment. Like, my one friend recently was like, oh, me and my uh, fiancé schedule, like, lingerie night and we'll literally put a calendar invitation on each other's calendars that say, say like, lingerie night – and she was like, it kind of is nice because you work up to that moment and then like you're all day, you're very, you both are getting excited. And I was like, I was like, okay, I'm trying that. And literally it's it's fun to like plan it out. And it you think it makes you like sound all square and stuff when you're planning sex. But like you said, you literally have to. And I like how you said how um, one person in the relationship always has like a different sex drive. Like, what do you do if... You notice
2: you and your partner's sex drives are different levels. You know, well, first thing, I I used to always think that too that it was just men who wanted more sex than than women. That's sort of but I've actually found out that it's pretty equal, which is so interesting because I know we're always told like men want sex all the time. So when you find out, and again the higher desire, like, unfortunately, too high desire people don't match up, to low desire. It's always going to be the higher and the lower. So that's so good to know, I think, for some people to know that they're not insane and like, like it's, there's nothing wrong with them. Just couples need to negotiate it. So I think, again, it comes down to communicating, communicating about it and finding out what they do is they plan. Like if someone wants it every day and someone wants it three days a week, you know, or, once a week, then you kind of negotiate like, okay, it sounds like it's about three, four days a week. And when can we make that happen? And the other thing I want to say is this is really important, Nicole. A lot of times couples aren't necessarily craving sex. It's like penetration as we define sex. They might be craving intimacy. They might be craving some handholding, some making out, some deeper conversations. Um, even, and if you're not in the mood for sex, it could be some like mutual masturbation where you know you're both getting off, but you're not in the mood for penetration. So, and, and the truth is women are more likely to orgasm with all different kinds of sex that don't have to do with anything to do with a penis, like a finger, a hand, a mouth, a toy. And so I love to say that and remind people of that so we can expand our definition of what sex and intimacy look like and pleasure how do you come to that realization?
1: Like, Oh no, I guess it was intimacy that I was craving. Like, is it, you know, you have sex and all of a sudden you're like, why am I still feeling this need for something?
2: Is that kind of how? It's a really good question. I think you just experiment with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think that you experiment with it you like, cause I think that sometimes we're just missing. I mean, yes, we, orgasms are great. They're good for our moods. They're good for our connection to our partner. You release so many feel good hormones. And chemicals that keep you attached but sometimes you're like we start to associate our um we start to associate sex with the intimate with like connection to your partner. like i haven't seen them all week because we're working so hard we just need sex mm. then you'll find like when you really just connected had a conversation maybe there was a little bit of like making out and connection that you feel you feel just as filled up
1: Ditto. So that's, that's exactly
2: well that's my biggest
1: thing i'm like my husband and I will go through weeks where we are both just so busy. We're like not even home at the same times. Like, how are we supposed to even like see each other, let alone be intimate at all? And we'll ju- I'll literally look at him like crying and be like, I'll I'll literally just be like, I feel so disconnected with you right now. Like, what do I? What do we do? And. Yeah. And it's, so it's that po- those points where I'm like, we need to just like plan out sex. Like in the morning, we are doing it now. And then he always no. wants like shower sex. And I'm like, get away from me because I don't like <laughs> shower sex. It's a whole thing. So we're still working it's under, on it. But it's overrated. Shower sex is overrated. Okay, good. Do men just like love it? I, I'm like, what, why do you even like it? It's not good. It's like, I, like
2: it's just like hurts exactly well because you actually do need like lubrication in the shower because the water washes out for natural lubrication okay um the positions slippery it's uncomfortable you're like mission driven you're like i gotta wash my hair and get to work like i gotta do my thing and and it also takes women more more to orgasm and have pleasure like a quickie usually isn't great for the majority of us and we're not even turned on it or aroused so there's a million reasons why um but the good thing about having a penis is like it feels pretty good most of the time wherever you're going to put it wherever you're at. Right. No, so I need definitely. to be a turf. Back to
1: the turf. I need to be in the right place and the shower and <laughs> it. Turf. Exactly. <laughs> exactly.
0: Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick but can't always afford the super high end stuff? I have a solution for you. whole foods market
1: that leads me to my next question the biggest one we got from our audience members they are going through ruts man like i guess it's like we're busy we're losing we have that lack of intimacy what are some of your tips for getting out of a sex rut with your partner like if you are just like going through and and some of our audience members were like, yeah, I mean, at this point, it's like it feels like awkward to even like try to have sex with my fiance or my husband at this point. So,
2: yeah, oh, it just feels awkward rut?
1: like because it's so it's the same thing. I mean, I think, Hmm. you know, or just like a rut where you're not having sex as much as you want. Yeah.
2: Mm. I think that it's really fun to kind of. Think back to the doing the things that make you feel the most connected to your partner that don't have to do with sex. So it could be like, maybe it's like, hike. you guys love hiking together, mo- seeing movies together, um, talking, whatever it is, it's removing, and usually it's removing yourself from your environment. So if you can like uh. get out of your space, especially like the last few years, when we were all like sharing such close spaces. It was really hard to build that chemistry because you think about like passion and intimacy like well I guess if you think about a fire right and you think what goes what makes a fire go out is like lack of oxygen and so when you're literally on top of each other just think of like the passion in your life going out
1: mm-hmm. so
2: how do you create adventures and things to do that are different that's going to spark that excitement with you with you guys again and it's like for some couples it's and again, some of it just sounds so cliche, like we're going to take a class together, we're going to whatever. But couples who do things differently, like if you did, you decided to work, start working out together, or you decided to yeah. challenge yourself in some way, you're going to get that same spike, um, this, that that spike of and spark of like adrenaline, and and um, and so that is also something that's related to arousal. So it can kind of connect you, like couples who go for a run together, they want to, mm-hmm. they sometimes have sex after. So so building things like that that are just about the two of you that don't have to do with like. Taking work off the table, like you're not allowed to talk about work or you're not allowed to talk about the kids and you're just talking about the two of you is, is very helpful. The other thing for some couples is to say, like, let's take, let's take sex, like let's take intercourse. So penetration off Mm -hmm. the table and let's just go back to like kissing, teasing, making out. Maybe one night is all about like you give your partner a massage, but there's nothing else and they give you a massage and it's more about building that connection, making each other feel good without the pressure of like, now we have to have sex. And so kind of making it deliberately more scarce, even though it's already been scarce, but you're putting in the elements to build it up again.
1: Right. I think that's important to remember too, like a massage, never underestimate the power of a good massage, like just doing that, like building up. And like you said, like, don't put so much pressure on it. Don't be like, we have to have penetration sex right now. Like, go do something together because I think some of these couples that, you know, write into us with their questions, they're like, yeah, we just haven't in so long. Like, I feel like I just don't even know him, blah, blah, blah. It's like that's because you're not actually spending time together. So if you start like building and working on your relationship, then Mm -hmm. that you will just naturally want to
2: be intimate together. That's true. That is true. And there's one thing I want to say, which is a little bit more more into like the biology and the science of this, but I think that a challenge is that a lot of us don't really understand. And I'll talk from, from women's perspective, but it, it mm-hmm. actually does go with men too, is that a lot of us don't really understand. And I know I certainly did until I studied this and became this in my life is that we don't even really understand what turns us out, what, what gets us aroused and what gets us in the mood for sex. Right. And so for the majority of it, I'm going to say it's more prevalent in, in well, I always say my show, involve well, owners, but in women, they, mm-hmm. that, that, we have something called a responsive desire arousal. We respond to something in the environment that would turn us like maybe we need to feel like the house is really clean. Um, we've taken yes. a shower. We've worked out that day that our work is done, that our partner like asks about our day, kisses our neck and like says something really hot to us or shares a story with us. And then throughout the night, throughout the day, throughout the week, these elements are to build and then we're turned on. What the majority, what I would say is many penis owners men have is that they have something called spontaneous. So we're more responsive. We respond. There's certain things that have to be in place for us to get aroused. Like, you know, that's why I like dirty talk or sexting or something. But for men, it's more spontaneous they might see you like your husband sees you walk into the room and immediately he's aroused we would know maybe by looking at his erection or like the way men's by like this is the one way that i see like a huge difference in the genders because there's other things that are very very similar but in this way right. the way we actually get turned on is just different and so then we beat ourselves up like why aren't i ready to go my partner's ready to go he just grabbed me every morning so hot it's because we don't work that way we actually don't right. understand And we have to also realize though, we are responsible as well. And that would be that like keeping sex top of mind. Like, I don't know about you, but like, I have never been someone who had a huge, like always was thinking about sex and craving sex. When I'm having sex, I'm turned on, I'm into it and I love sex. I love having sex with my partner, but I need to do some work. Like I need to keep sex top of mind. So masturbation is like really important to me. Like I know oftentimes like, I don't feel like it. Like I have a vibrator in the shower. I have one next to my bed. Like I know that I'm going to feel better after, but sex begets sex. So we also have to be like, what and then we have to think about what's keeping me from it. Well, maybe I don't feel great in my body, right? I've mm-hmm. gained some weight, or there's something. Well, then that's also on us, right? So what can I do to make myself feel better? I'm gonna make sure that I get up and I walk every morning or I work out because that's impacting my sex life. And if I don't want to have sex with a partner anymore, like that's a problem. Right. So we have to take responsibility for our own as, ourselves as sexual beings. We have to be, like, sexually intelligent, which is something I'm working on. I'm working on a book right now about sexual intelligence. It's like, need it. It's about, like, what what do I need to know to make myself And then what does my partner need to know? So it's about collaborating and talking to your partner, but also knowing ourselves, which is a much bigger answer you know, than, like, give your partner a massage. But that that's makes important.
1: A lot of sense though because like I mean you hit the nail on the head with like the clean like our bedroom lately has been a literal (laughs) shit show mess and I'm like I can't I can't even sleep in this room let alone like get in the mood in this bedroom like get me out of here I'm a definitely an environment person so this helps to hear that it's like related back to scientific reasons and stuff (laughs) um a lot of our audience members were like Actually, DM'd us and we're like, ask her why. Like, leading up to the wedding, I'm not have I'm so stressed. Stress is high, but the sex is low, and this must be why. Because they're like feeling scientifically, it's like you're stressed about your wedding, so yeah. oh, you're yeah. not going to get in the mood as much. So yeah, it's just a tip for that to like, I guess like just like check your wedding tasks off the list, <laughs> and then and then you can get more in the mood or or try to compartmentalize
2: yeah i mean one of the biggest killers of our sex drive is stress yeah and anxiety so yeah. if you are stressing about a wedding or stressing about work or money or anything your sex life is going to take a nosedive so that's also why learning to manage our stress whether it's because after the wedding there's going to be other things that stress you out too so i yeah. just want to like let everyone know that like you you're going to be stressed about the wedding and then you're going to be stressed about thank you notes and then you're going to be stressed about moving in together and then you're going to be stressed about the like, I, I'm here to tell you that the stress never ends in life. Right. And so if you were someone who's prone to stress and it's impacting your sex life, that's such good information right? because then you know, okay, stress impacts my sex drive. Not everybody, but I would say the majority of people, especially when it's really intense. And again, that's how you talk to your partner about like even sometimes saying your partner, I'm kind of working on some tools now to help me with anxiety. Like I know for me, I do this breathing app and it really helps me, but now my partner will be like, like he'll see me stress. And I'm like, mm-hmm. babe, should we do the breathing app? And he'll like, I'm like, great. We'll do a two minute breathing app, but I'm so I much better. That. Like not even about sex, it was about life. Like he's my partner, right? He wants me to be less stressed. So, the more we cannot try to solve all these problems, especially all these sex problems on our own and the more our partner's invested. Like my partner knows this is a silly example, but if I go to his house and it's cold and the air conditioning's on, I'm like, sex doesn't happen at night. Like if yeah. I'm cold, my body is just shut down. So now I'll go over and he's like, babe, I built a fire. Like I've yeah. got stuff going, Right. But good, because there's all these factors that contribute to me being aroused and turned on. And it's like an instrument that, you know, we've got to learn to play. So
1: yeah, yeah. That's, I feel you on the cold thing. I can't function, let alone do anything in the cold. <laughs> A lot of people were asking too. like, I know you mentioned, you know, long after the wedding day, you're going to have to work on this. What are some tips for um when when kids start coming into the picture and other things. I mean, even just like my husband and I got a puppy this past summer and literally the puppy will sleep in between us in our bed. now. He's a full-on dog now. He sleeps like on our heads. Um, sleeps in between us in the bedroom. And I'm like, okay, so there goes our like night before bed sex if our dog is right there. So like what, <laughs> what are some tips for just like – you know, as you get more responsibilities, like kids, pets, etc., mm-hmm. how to keep that
2: alive. Like, should we yeah. be uh, taking more vacations, things like that? Always. You should always <laughs> be taking more vacations. You should always be planning them ahead of time because they don't happen. Like, in this busy world, like, like yeah, you got to plan ahead. You got to say, like, when are we doing our next four-day weekend? And just planning it. Because that is the time. I mean, hands down, vacation sex is the most common, most Efficient way for couples to reconnect again. So even oh, if it's a yeah. night in, like, in a hotel room, like sometimes we'll do that. We'll get a hotel room. Like I'll be doing a shoot. I'm like, hey, we got this hotel room. Just come for the night. It changes everything. Love and that. I know that's not necessarily accessible for everybody. But like, what can you do to get yourself out of your environment, like? regular intervals is so so important. But then also like just knowing like I think that we don't prepare new new parents for that. Yeah, you your baby is not going to be an aphrodisiac. <laughs> it is in yeah. no way going to be part of your arousal style and your arousal pattern. It's gonna take, it's gonna have an impact. And the problem is that our doctors don't often prepare women for that. Like they send them off in the hospital and they're like six weeks, you should be good to go. And most women are not ready to go after six weeks at all. Mm-hmm. So the more partners can communicate about it, what do you need, babe, to help you alleviate stress? Is it getting more help? Is it taking some of the, the work off? Just some of the, burnt, you know, some of the child care off of their hands. Um, I mean, for each couple, it's different, but also postpartum. Women's bodies, even if it's not like traditional postpartum, like you're depressed, your hormones are completely different. You are a different genetic. You're, you're, the way you would track your hormones would look completely different than how they looked before. Your vagina comes back completely different than how it was before. It's everything in your body is a little bit different. And so, um, of course, unless you have a C-section, but things are different. Mm-hmm. And you have can learn to now navigate this new landscape. And I just think it's couples. And I think the couples who are prepared for it and talk about it, as it's happening and you don't let resentments build up because resentments kill sex lives and kill relationships. Yeah. And so when I'm talking about healthy communication around your sex life, I really mean like healthy communication around your life, around everything. This, this mental, emotional, spiritual challenges that couples have, the more they can kind of talk about it in real time, like the more they won't be surprised um, when these things happen. So, yeah,
1: it's all about communication. It really is. It really is. In terms of, um, you know, spicing up the marriage, sex life and stuff, should we be doing like role playing more like things like that or there other or like incorporating toys into the bedroom? Like what other kind of kinky tips like that do you have to like spice up things?
2: Yeah. I am I, yes to all. Sure. If you, role plays really, <laughs> can be really fun toys. Here's the thing that most couples crave. So, you know, you asked me, Nicole, e- earlier about how like what, how do we avoid boredom or what couples could do to spice it up? The thing that we're most craving in long-term relationships is novelty and spontaneity because think about it, when you're with someone when it's new everything's new. is exciting. I've never kissed this person in this position before had sex right. this way. So after a while, we said we love them deeply, but there's nothing new. So right. the thing about toys, adding a toy, adding some lube, role-playing in a really fun way, like just being like, hey, like, you know, since like you just kind of make up a different personality or just like pretend you're the, you know, the, the gardener. It's like, it's just, yeah. you might giggle, you might laugh, but once Carter's, partners can kind of get on a bo- uh, board with it. It can be a really fun way to play. It's something new and novel and different. And I just highly recommend it could be a new loop. I mean, yeah. anything. I love loop bring something in yeah. different, even talking about sex. So going back to that, sometimes just having a really great conversation about sex and watching porn together, reading erotica together, that can be the spark, the novelty that you are craving. So, yeah. you know, but, what are your tips if there's like you know a,
1: a relationship where I've had friends be like, yeah, I tried to bring in you know porn or something, but he got offended. Like, what are your tips if like the guy is getting offended if you're if you're suggesting like vibrator and porn and other things like that. Mm.
2: Well, I think that comes down back to lack of sex education that we yeah. have in this culture and cultural norms around like oh it should just be a penis and vagina you shouldn't need anything else. And the truth is like or penis and penis whatever it is we think if we have to bring something else into the relationship there's like a problem. But that that couldn't be further from the truth. So again, it comes down to education. I can't tell you like You know, this whole notion of like men feeling like your vibrator is going to replace (laughs) me and that porn, you'd rather be with the porn star rather than me. Or, you know, I just think that it's again, we don't understand that like that sex is so complex, like how we present as sexual beings is there's so many factors that go into it and like take toys, for example, first off, they're not just for Bulbas, they feel incredible on penises. So I would recommend anyone who wants to bring a toy in the be- into the bedroom, We just be like, hey, I want to show you this new toy guy. and let me show it to you first. Like, and then so what I'll do like with a partner is like, I'll, I'll show them the toy. First off, in many men's mind, when they think of toys, and again, I know he's talking more like heteronormative terms here, but mm-hmm. you know, that they think, they think that the toys looks like a penis, but it's phallic. Right. Because that's how people, I don't know, they haven't been to a sex toy store lately, but like right, usually, right. like, literally most of them are clitoral stimulators that fit in the palm of your hand that look like an apple or look like right. a pear. So I think it's a matter of normalizing it, but also like, I'll take it in my hand. I'll be babe. And then, and then first off, I remember I had a partner go like, that's it? I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, do you want to hear, I'll go, do you want to feel it? And then I'll put it on a low setting and i will like, put it on his balls, on his shaft. And I'll just like tease it. And I'll be like, oh, wow, that feels really good. And he's like, let's yeah. bring that. And then it never comes up again as a problem. He's like, bring that right. toy. So I think, again, our partner's strong reaction to new suggestions or even talking about sex is because we are not prepared as a society to hear somebody address sex such, such a direct way. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is our nervous system shut down and we go into fight or flight. We want to leave the situation. We feel threatened. But the more you can talk about it and assure your partner that like, this is the science. This is the truth. This is what I've learned. Like, I love you. You're hot. We're hot. We're good. This is going to help us. And you just get them over that thing and then they try it or they watch. They're good. They're good. Mm -hmm. And they're going to want more of it. But we have to do this work of the awkwardness. So we're spending so much time talking about because we're breaking down years, years and years of of conditioning that tells us otherwise. And so it's very, very threatening to come up against it. that's a societal norm. Right. So that's it.
1: I feel like that, that is such a thing society's put on us, but I feel like thank God men are starting to learn more and more and starting to educate themselves. And especially with podcasts like these, just play the this episode for your exact fiancés, um, ladies. Yeah. We have a couple audience rapid fire questions. I'm just going to throw some at you. Yeah. So, we um, surveyed our audience. So, basically, a lot of people were asking sh- is there an ideal frequency per week that we should be having sex with our partners?
2: Mm, such a common question. And people always want me to give them a number, and I'm not going to give anyone a number. I want a number. I've, I really I've, you I'm really like, who wants a number? My I'll sister recently
1: was like, I heard three times is the best for a healthy marriage. And I was like, okay, so we have to ha- definitely have to have penetration sex three times nope. a
2: week. Ugh. Maybe not. She's oh wrong. Sorry, sis. But maybe <laughs> that works for her. Like, listen, maybe that works for her. And that's amazing. Couples need to find out what works for them. If it's once a week and it feels good to everybody, then your answer in that in that relationship is once a week. But if once a week isn't enough, Then that couple has to have a conversation and figure out what's right for them. I will say that once a month probably isn't enough. Mm -mm. Yeah. Now I get that happens. You go through crisis. There's a death of a loved one. Something happens, you know, depression. But once a month isn't enough. I would say once a week is probably pretty typical what I hear. But I feel like couples kind of need more than that. And so – um, yeah. And it doesn't have to be penetration. It could be again, mutual masturbation, sexting, like there's other things that it can be. Like if you're away from each other, maybe you're on, you know, long distance sex, like there's all these different ways to connect. I mean, I guess if you're not, if you're married, you might not be that long distance that much, but sometimes it can be very really hot. Like my partner with goes, tra- hey, work, on, travel like, and stuff. Yeah. work Travel. Yeah. Like do something different. Sometimes that can actually be really hot. And so again, I just urge couples to find what's right for them, and if it doesn't feel right right now, then it probably isn't. Like, if just yeah. one person is dissatisfied in the relationship, then that number that they're that they're focusing on isn't working for them. Like, the amount of times they're having sex just isn't working for them. They have to yeah. figure out what does work.
1: Well, frequency wise, is there a correlation between the amount of sex and and like when I say sex, in this case, I don't even mean full on penetration. Just like hooking up, like the intimacy of some sort. Is there a correlation between the intimacy and, like, a scientific correlation between that and your relationship Mm -hmm. being good, like, a good, happy relationship? Uh, I wish
2: there was. I mean, I can tell you that it works in reverse. So, yes. I mean, there are couples who, like, we have sex every day, but, like, we hate each other. Like, we always get (laughs) each other off, but, like, it's we're miserable. Mm -hmm. But I can tell you that the couples who have healthy communication and talk about sex, like, they probably have – they have a really, like, healthy sex life. Like, they're more likely to – have sex at a frequency that works for them. So it's not about like couples who have sex six times a week are more likely to be the happiest couples on the planet. Right. I mean, but if it's like six times a week and yeah, you know, so I would say no, there isn't a correlation like that, but I would say it's a reverse that couples who've talked about it and planned it and prioritize their sex life are going to have less problems in the bedroom.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Prioritize your sex life. Like we've had therapists on in the past that aren't sex therapists, just like regular. That are like prioritize date nights with each other, like prioritize each other, which is hard for people who are so busy all the time. But then it's like you also just prioritize your date nights, prioritize your sex life, like prioritize each other and your relationship will go stronger. Okay. So this person says, my husbands and I were virgins until our wedding. Sex still doesn't feel good to me. Any tips?
2: Mm, well, that's usually. It's really common for sex not to feel that good, especially if you've been a, a virgin. I would say that it's important to understand your own body first. So I would recommend. Well, first I have to know what doesn't feel good. Is it painful? Because for many, many women, sex is painful. And that means that they have to go maybe see a pelvic floor physical therapist or get checked out by a doctor who specializes in pelvic floor. Because for someone they're just born, they've had something called vaginismus or vulvodynia, which means that every time something goes inside of them, they have pain. Mm-hmm. or so that's something to check out but let's say it just doesn't feel good there's no pleasure well that's really common too and so it's probably because perhaps this listener has not spent time on her own exploring her body exploring her vulva her clitoris i mean the thing is if they never had sex and now they're just having penetration only 20 percent of women are going to have an orgasm from penetration yeah most of the orgasms and the pleasure comes from the warm up, the buildup, the playing with the vulva, the clitoris, the external part of the vagina. And so mm-hmm. if none of that has happened and she's not aroused or turned on or hasn't had sexual thoughts or doesn't really understand her own arousal and desire, it would make sense that literally penetration just feels like nothing. And right. so I would say there's some slowing down. There's some, her partner getting to know her body, maybe taking penetration off the table and start with like, you know, Everything, exploring every other area and just getting to know our body
1: first. Yep. When I, I remember, Lord knows, when I first, way back when, when I first had sex, it did not feel good. The first couple partners, it wasn't even that great. Like it took me a while to learn my own body, and and it takes the men a while too. Like it just, it really, exactly, they have a lot of learning to do, especially like if they're new at this. So, hang in there. Okay. This person says, My husband masturbates more than having sex with me. Should I be mad?
2: You shouldn't be mad. No, but I understand the question and I understand why people are mad because people think that masturbation is somehow a signal to them that they're not mm-hmm. uh inter- inter- um, they're not turning their partner around. They're not enough. They're not doing enough. So my partner's turning to porn. But p- couple, you know, it's really important to have a healthy masturbation practice whether you're in a relationship or out of a relationship, it's a big stress reliever. It's a self soother and it just feels good. And so um, I don't, I think that it's totally okay though to talk to your partner about their masturbation. Just say, Hey, I feel like I'm having some kind of, you know, use my timing, tone and turf. And I just want you to know that I feeling some, I have some feelings come up for me around your masturbation. And I feel like I'm whatever it is less than or timed off or could you tell me more about it? Like what's going on in that moment or what does it do for you? Like get more information. A lot of times you just need more information. And, um, and also if it, and sorry, you said that she said that he's masturbating more than having sex with her more than how, ha- yes. Yeah. And She's then not. also I would want to know about that too. I would want to say like, and I, you know, my interpretation of your masturbation is that I am not enough. And I see that because we're also not having as much sex. And so I want to know more about your, that this, like, what do you think we could do to be more connected to have more sex with each other? Um, Is there anything going on? Would you talk to me about it? I'd like to have more sex. And then this is a great time for this couple to say like, well, when do you want sex? What turns you on? For all you know, he could be like, babe, no, I thought you didn't want sex because the last six times I initiated, you pushed my hand away. And then she could say, did I really? Oh my God, that's because it was eight in the morning and I was stressed about getting to work. But if you would try at night. So the problem is we don't have the language to talk about sex. And then we make assumptions, we make up stories and then we build resentments and then we stop having sex. So I want couples, like anyone listening now, like if there's a question you have for your partner, there's a conversation or story you're creating, talk to your partner about it like tonight, like turn off this mm-hmm. podcast and go talk to them now because you you just, I mean, I'm going to assume that your partner wants to be a great lover to you just as you want to be a great lover to them. And they're not trying to like masturbate to piss you off. So right. under that assumption, when we know that, if you know that, then you know, Well, let's just problem solve together. Let's just get some more
1: information. Right. And I love how you approached that. Like not in an attacking way, not being like, stop masturbating. Like, why are you doing that? Just like where go at it like like you said, like how it makes you feel like and asking questions that way you're getting to the root of it. And like you said, it's it's a high probability that literally he thought you were just not into it, but so he figured that's the only way to get off is to do it on his own. But yeah, okay, cool. Um Okay, what is your thoughts on like having sex the night of the wedding? A lot of couples don't do that. Do we think that's like not healthy? Should everybody be having sex the night of the wedding? My husband and I physically did, but it was like we were wasted at this point. It wasn't the best sex <laughs> of our lives, not gonna lie. Right. Um, so, like, what is your thoughts on having sex the night of the wedding?
2: Oh my god, you have the rest of your life to have sex. Enjoy the wedding. I think it's fine. Like, only if you're like very spiritual and you like place all this. But that's probably the problem. If you're like sex on the wedding night, it's gonna be this amazing thing. Like, how about it's not gonna be, and if you do, that's a bonus. <laughs> you know, right, right. It's just it's all expectations. Okay, I love yeah.
1: that you're saying that because uh, you're the sex expert, the sex expert, and <laughs> the uh, you heard it here first. If Emily says we don't have to have sex on the wedding night, that means you don't no. have to. I think mm-hmm. a lot of couples think it's like a superstitious thing. Like if we're going into our marriage not having sex, does that mean we will have bad sex forever? And it's like, no, it's fine. No, that's a choice. We did have somebody ask, should we skip sex? Leading, I think we said. Sean, my – our one podcast coworker that came on an episode in the past said this. He was like, I have an idea. So this person said, should we skip sex leading up to the wedding – like leading up to the wedding night? So like the whole week, I guess, prior of the wedding – so that it's more exciting on the night of. Do the,
2: does that make sense? Or will that like I mean, make it more exciting or no? It could. I mean, it could like like sometimes to delay. Like, you know how exciting is when your partner's of town you don't see him for a week and then you can't wait to rip their clothes off. Like, mm-hmm. sure, that's definitely like a built-in excitement. But I'm not sure that you need that. Like the wedding's already pretty freaking exciting. <laughs> so, right. you know, I think that. But I would, yeah. I mean, if, if a couple says this. But see, what I love about that is if a couple's like, we're in a babe, we're not having sex for a week. You're like, Oh, my God. That's the kind of stuff I'm talking about.
1: Build that up. Okay,
2: babe, you know what's going to happen Saturday night? And that's the juice that I want couples to build in the marriage, too. How do we continue to turn each other around by, like, maybe it is taking sex off the table. So only if you're both on board with that and that's just, like another fun, playful, erotic element. Right. Yes. Otherwise, again, if it doesn't work for both of you, then don't do it. But if it's hot, sure, why not? Yeah, I like that.
1: Well, now it's time for this week's Happily Ever After email brought to you by Bride Bright. In this segment, we give advice to our listeners about challenges they're facing and how to overcome those challenges together for a happily ever after. If you want your happily ever after to be all smiles and great sex in this case, be sure to check out Bride Bright for their easy and effective teeth whitening kit that will keep you smiling through it all. Here's our email for the week. Okay, so this listener says, I've recently gotten married to the love of my life, and the big day was perfect. So many thanks to this podcast for helping me through that wild time. Here's my question for you. Is married sex life as bad as they say? Oh, God. My husband and I have just gotten home from our honeymoon and had a great time. Wink, wink. Since getting home and back to our regular routine, I have run into so many family members, coworkers, and even complete strangers who tell me that my sex life is all downhill from here. First of all, what a terrible thing to say to newlyweds, but is this phenomenon true? We've never had an issue so far, but should I put in an extra effort into keeping our already existing sex life alive? Should we be talking to someone as a just-in-case? I'm freaking out. Thank you in advance, a newlywed warrior. Mm. Society's walking around telling
2: her it'll all go downhill. Yeah, I mean, I think that's – I think that it – it doesn't have to go out downhill if they decide to talk about it now and prepare um, for what could happen once they get into their lives and it gets busy. So I think like I would tell her to go to her husband and be like, hey, babe, this is what I've been hearing. Let's not be that couple. Let's prove a mom. What can we do? And that's when right. I want them to like download my yes or maybe list, start talking about sex, talk about those arousals, their desires. When do they want to have sex? Because then you can mitigate any on oncoming on problems, and the problems are going to be that couples are going to get too busy for sex. They're going to keep doing the same thing over and over again. So again, like if she's concerned about that, she doesn't have to solve it on her own. Like here's the other thing: she's like, should I start ramping it up? Like what does that look like? Too like that's so much pressure. Like, right. I'm going to be lingerie every night, and I'm going to try another sex move. Or no, like sounds like exhausting. It's exhausting. Like figure it with your partner. Be like, babe, let's not be statistic. Like, let's figure this out. Together we are problem solving, just like we do everything else. Let's get ahead of this sex decline together. Yeah. Pro- potential. And let's make sure it doesn't happen.
1: Does That's sex it. literally scientifically like get harder as you get older? Like our set does our sex drive always go down? Is that
2: a thing? It doesn't. No, it changes. But it doesn't get harder as you get older. I think it actually gets better because you know yourself and you know your body and hopefully you know how to communicate. I mean, your body changes for sure, like loss of testosterone for men and women and estrogen and like things become, they don't work like they used to a little bit. That's a problem. But most of it is about our brains and arousal and understanding it. And so I think that it can actually that get better the longer you're with someone, but it takes work. And that is talking about it, becoming aware of your own body, how it changes, not expecting it to be like it was last week or last year or 10 years ago. Because I'm telling you, I really want to normalize that it changes, that your sex life is going to change over time. And to compare it to how it once was, like everybody had sex three times a day at the beginning of a relationship. Totally. Or three times a week or whatever. Like you you couldn't wait to rip each other's clothes off. That doesn't last forever. Yeah. And it probably won't ever happen again. But- Just knowing that is like, again, problem solving, troubleshooting, and knowing like we are keeping sex top of mind. We are prioritizing our pleasure. We're prioritizing Mm -hmm. our finances, our kids' health, our home, our whatever, and our sex life. Like You just have to. It has to be up there with everything else, that our health, our nutrition, our religion, and your sex life. Yeah. And it's going to take problem solving and collaboration.
1: I love that. I love that mindset too. It can get better instead of worse. So just work on it. Like you said, problem-solving collaboration. Well, that's it for this week's Happily Ever After, brought to you by Bride Bright. Bride Bright knows that getting the perfect smile can be expensive, painful, sticky, or even harmful for your enamel and gums. That's why Bride Bright is an effective, affordable, and sensitivity-free solution for at-home teeth whitening. It's the perfect way to whiten your teeth and keep you smiling. Their Bride Bright Wedding White Teeth Kit includes everything you need to do this from the comfort of your own home home. I love it. Mike loves it. Literally, it takes 10 minutes a day. It's my favorite teeth whitening out there, and I've tried them all. Trust me. So check Bride Bright out on Instagram at Bride for teeth tips and more, and you can try Bride Bright for yourself by visiting www.bridebright.co, using code BETCHES for 40% off at checkout. That's B-R-I-D-E-B-R-I-T-E dot co, that's co.com using code Betches for 40% off. Um, okay, wait. I do want to hear about some of your resources. I'm going to look into this yes, no, maybe list. Can, can yes. you tell us about those
2: resources? What are yes. they? What do we have? Of course. Yeah. Just go to sexwithemily.com. Um, I think some of them are linked on my Instagram, but it's easier to find it by my website. and just search yes, no, maybe list. And it's just really like a free downloadable guide that has all of these sex things on it that you can just it's a fun date night thing like do it with your partner yeah. you fill it out you download it um there's also one called the pleasure planner and it's so over a 12 month period that you just start to, even if you don't get through all of it it asks it's really interesting questions that you can talk to your partner about like what are we in the mood for what's turned us on last year what do we want to make time for um I also have the communication guide on my website the three T's of communication I've got thousands of podcasts I release twice a week um everywhere. That's 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 the best resources I think right now that I have for people. The podcast, and also I want to see this: so a lot of couples listen to my podcast together. Not everyone can have therapy, but I've heard from so many couples over the years who were like, "Oh my god, my partner and I listen for twelve hours on a road trip. Like they just keep or they listen to dinner, or they they use it as a tool to help facilitate conversation, to help facilitate desire, like help to have fun." So I'm like, just just find. Kind of try to create a sex uh, positive, a culturally sex positive environment. And, like that's bring in resources that would help you because I know it's hard. So that's why I created a bunch of them for people.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, that's the be- like. I I don't think every couple can just sit here and like conjure up great questions to be asking about sex. So these are just sound like great resources to have to like guide those conversations and get you talking more. I know I'm downloading them. I mean, I'm, I'm looking to keep this marriage sex life alive forever. I want to be having sex until I'm in my nineties. So, um, and (laughs) not even just sex, but great sex. So I will definitely be going to visit all of those. I'm going to make Mike and I listen to your podcast episodes. (laughs) So thank you so much. Before we let you go, What's like the number one piece of advice you want to leave our coupled up audience with? Is it just like
2: communication is key? What's your biggest advice? Mm, My biggest advice, honestly, is communication is lubrication. Like I can't, I can't say enough. The more you talk about sex, the better sex you're going to have. Communicate to lubricate. Oh wow!
1: Okay, I love that saying. Well, thank you, Emily, so much. You're doing the Lord's work, literally. Yay! Where
2: can everybody find your Instagram? Your- it's all sex with Emily across the okay. board, um, cool. TikTok, which I'm just starting, Instagram, the podcast. It's sex with Emily everywhere. Oh, TikTok! We're all on TikTok. It's wedding wow. TikTok is huge. So huge! This is the, your podcast must be. I mean, oh. crazy right now because everybody, everybody's getting married.
1: It's everybody's getting married. And then also like the wedding brides and TikTok just go hand in hand. Once you get engaged, you're on TikTok immediately. So (laughs) all right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. Well, till death do us part.
0: The Betches Brides podcast is produced by Sean Kilby and Jorge Morales Pico. Editing by Jorge Morales Pico. Guest booking by Nicole Pellegrino. Be sure to follow us at Betches Brides and send us your emails to brides at betches.com. Betches.